So, hello and welcome to the Motion E podcast. I'm Stuart Garlic and it's great to have you all on board. Uh, by the way, quick plug um, you can find the articles uh, that we write for the main site on motione.org uh, and obviously subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your audio from. But uh, we've also got the Patreon, so if you would like to look at 27 now backed up articles there. Um, and also get the extremely exclusives that are coming up very soon, then hop over there to patreon.com forward slash motioneorg. Okay, uh, add over, and today we're talking about something that's very close to my heart, because I thought um, in a time when one French cartoon character was quite correctly cancelled by the wider community, it was time to look at a much more noble French cartoon character, that being... uh, all-round racing driver and um, general hero to generations, Michel Vaillant. I've got a couple of fans here to talk to me about the impact of that uh, comic strip over the years uh, and also the legacy of the uh, great French um, comic book author Jean Graton who uh, began the strip and then oversaw it in later life. Um, his studio is still making the strips, but uh, yeah, Jean Graton obviously died this year, uh, and so it's well worth paying tribute. Uh, Fernando Moutinho and Mike Channel are here. Mike, would you like to explain to everyone uh, who you are and where we can find you normally? Sure. I'm um, I'm Mike, and I'm uh, my day job, I suppose, is uh, on Outside Xbox, which is a YouTube channel uh, about video games, uh, but I'm also a huge motorsport fan uh, occasional racing driver. Uh, I review driving games for TopGear.com. Uh, all sorts of things uh, related to my kind of love of motorsport as well. So, video games and motorsport is basically every twelve-year-old's dream. Well, I, absolutely, and uh, I've actually seen you racing because uh, you took part in the uh, pro-am sector of the Race at Home Challenge in Formula E last season. That's true. Yeah, I was I was very slow, but I was having a great time. <laughs> Um, and uh, I, I, th- I think that you weren't the first driver to get eliminated, which, uh, you know, pretty good going for someone with no testing as well. Yeah, sec- second, second to last in that in that race. But I, I gave as good as I got in that in that battle with uh, with Kai, who's a, uh, a young um, motorsport journalist up and coming. Um, so that was a really good fun battle. Yeah, that's uh, Kai Baccini. He's, he's done some interviews with Vettel and Hamilton. Very interesting guy. Yeah, he's, uh, for his age, he's he's absolutely, you know, killing it. So, mm. yeah, more power to his elbow. I'm, I'm sure we'll see him in the paddocks around the world uh, in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Fernando Moutinho, you're a social media officer and um, you've described yourself as ex- expert troll um i i would say you're i would say you're a lot kinder than that normally on twitter but there we are and uh, fernando you're also a massive michel vaillant fan but uh, just uh, talk to us about your history in motorsport if we uh, if if we can uh yeah well i'm not as versatile as uh, mike over here <laughs> i've only ever done one thing in my professional career and that's been social media but yeah i've been a fan of motorsport as far back as i can remember i mean as far as i'm aware my entire my life has been revolved around motorsport. I've loved it since a young age. Uh, my dad sort of was involved in it by volunteering on some local races, like my hometown in Portugal. But I've been following all sorts of motorsports since my young age until now, and which led me to my passion for games and being to social media and community manager for Slightly Mad Studios. 
Michel Vaillant, famous French cartoon character, um, comic strip character, and uh, 1957, February the 7th, 1957, uh, Jean Graton created the character, and um, they were first published by Le Lombard, uh, and then later on by Graton's own studio, which he founded, um, and... Obviously, he's had a massive impact, but is it fair, do you think, Mike, to compare him to a British cartoon character, Roy at the Rovers, the uh, the football comic strip character, in the sense that both of them have shown all-round skill within their sport um, un- under various uh, flags and banners over the years, and uh, both of them have uh, really um, shown that they can stay on top of their game against drivers from all eras. I mean, uh, Michel Vaillant, uh, for those who aren't aware, raced in Formula One against Juan Manuel Fangio and uh, was also mates with Jackie X in the 1970s when, peculiarly, he was still at the same age um, and uh, then went on to um, win the World Championship in um, four times, including 1992. So um, what's the secret of his longevity as a racing driver, do you think? I think it's being a fictional character is the main thing. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, I, I think that's one of the things I really love about Michel Vaillant and his sort of enduring popularity is um, he really has uh, encompassed the sort of entirety of of motorsport as we as we know it. Certainly, you know, obviously there was racing in the 30s and things like that, but you know, the the around the time of the birth of the Formula One World Championship is is around the same time that Michel Vaillant. Um, was born as it were so um so he he's kind of endured throughout the the ages and um if you look at the comic books as a whole they're really nice sort of almost historical record because the authenticity was there they're a really nice historical record of of where racing has come from and and what it's become um so yeah it's really really nice to have this sort of ageless um racing superstar who has has dipped his toe in not just f1 but all sorts of motorsport throughout the ages and and because of graton's absolute focus on sort of authenticity and the realism of the cars and things like that it's a really you know that atmosphere uh of each event whether it's the paris dakar or you know the macau grand prix or any of those things you know that that atmosphere and that authenticity is there in each of them so it it's sort of a really nice uh you know, companion piece. And if you think about, um, you know, much of the, the Michel Vaillant era was not, you know, televised motorsport, basically. Mm. So it's a really rich sort of involving way to engage with this beautiful art and, and with this these sort of historic events that, that feel like, you know, if you go back to uh, the original um, couple of comic books and stuff, it's a really beautiful sort of portrait of motorsport in that era. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, it it is it is like looking at a Marvel comic in terms of the visuals. I mean, it, it's it's like looking at the best Marvel comics um, art, but um, on on the sport that we all love. And the other thing is that uh, I I know, like you said, Jean Graton was uh, painstaking in the way that uh, he would uh, make sure that he got the sponsors right and make sure he got the sort of uh, handling of the cars right and, and, and the way that they cornered, for example. And I believe the way that he did that was by going to circuits and actually watching races and making notes from the trackside. Um, do you think that's maybe, Fernando, something that uh, the makers of, for example, motor racing movies such as uh, Sylvester Stallone Flop Driven have failed mm. at over the years, um, actually getting involved in motor racing themselves? 
yeah, probably the the sense of realism that's what draw me in to begin with, because you you can see any comic books there's a car shape drawing somewhere, but when you go to Michel Vaillant's comic books, there's you recognize the cars as you would on TV, and it was a one to one scale of what your mind would see, would recognize what the car looked like, and like you said, all the sponsorships and the locations and. It, it felt realistic and authentic. That's the point you were watching a movie in a comic book shape. And I think that's what lacked on Driven, for instance. It was too fantasy, too, too dramatized, too Hollywood-esque, and just fell off. Which is an interesting point you bring up movies, because Michel Vaillant had a movie. <laughs> and it was really damn good. Uh, yes, yes, he did. Uh, directed by uh, French author Luc Besson. Obviously, there have been serious allegations made against Besson since then. But uh, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly the f- the film itself still stands up, doesn't it, as a as 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 a work of cinema. But uh, also, um, some of the racing action was a lot more realistic than we'd come to expect in two thousand and three from a racing film. Yes, well, they, um, they yeah, go on, like say uh, they 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 entered into the Le Mans race. They entered two cars into the yes. Le Mans race, which is, you know, if you're going to go for authenticity, that's that's what you've got to do. You know, they wanted the shots to be accurate. So so they put two cars in the race and filmed them. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's an astonishing, you know, it's a, it is a very comic book movie, but aesthetically, it's very beautiful. Um, and um, and yeah, the, in terms of the racing footage, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, and that's I, what drew me in when I first discovered it. I just... Once I found out that was the actual Le Mans race being part of the movie, that just blew me away. And I enjoyed it even more. They they eventually took some more close-up shots around the the Bugatti circuit in reverse, actually. (laughs) But the race footage is, is, is phenomenal. Yeah. And not only did they enter two cars, they entered two different chassis. So, yes. you know, the 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 Viant team and the leader team couldn't have the same car because mm. that would look weird. So they entered, I think, a Lola for the Viant car and the um, Paynos LMP07. Yeah, mm. yes, yeah, exactly. Cool. So, I mean, talk about you know, <laughs> you want to make it hard for yourself. Don't don't just enter two cars in the race, but enter two completely different chassis and presumably have two completely different teams to run them. I yeah. talk about in the 60s, to each team had their respective uh, country cars. Uh, the Vians had a French car, while the leader had an American car. Mm. That's right. It, it just made sense. And um, I, actually, it's it's worth mentioning. So, um, v- v- Viant, the team, uh, had to be called Viant with an E because there was a French auto manufacturer in the twenties called Viant, who presumably, uh, presumably, the uh, they still owned the copyright on the name when the strip was made. But uh, uh, they they began uh, fictitiously as uh, a truck manufacturer, which uh, branched out into high performance sports cars. Hence, the interest in Formula One. Um, but <clears throat> they then went on to enter the uh, Paris Dakar. They went on to enter Le Mans, and obviously they had a long-running interest in Formula One as as kind of kind of the the fictional version of Ligier, if you like. Um, but uh, the difference was they were a lot more successful, and uh, Michel actually won the championship, won the Formula One World Championship four times, and uh, Le Mans four times, um, and the fa- the Paris Dakar once as well. So. 
Um, Mike, if if we look at his various uh, motorsport adventures, you know, it's not implausible, actually, that a driver could have won all of those races. And, uh, of course, we've seen with Mario Andretti, with Graham Hill, um, obviously Graham Hill appears in the strips himself, for example. We've seen, you know, it is possible to be a great all-round racing driver, but... Um, that there is always the danger with a hero character such as Vaillant that uh, you'll go too far and make him too perfect. That there were problems and there were dramas within the Vaillant team, weren't there? Yeah, I think um, what's quite nice about it is that um, particularly the rivalry with Steve Warson, who's his um, American, you know, first rival and later teammate within the team, um, is they never. I, I don't think they ever really suggested that that. Warson was that much slower than than Michel uh, and and in certain circumstances like I think in a lot of the US races and things like that uh, Warson would actually have the advantage and things so it it was a really nice um sort of recreation of that in intra team dynamic and and the idea that the first person you got to beat is your teammate you know who's got the same machinery as, as you so yeah it was a, it's a really nice um sort of dynamic between those two characters and that that sort of developed over over the many years uh in terms of his his versatility um as you say it's not implausible uh he's obviously had a bit more time to do it than most uh, racing drivers have in their career i guess the average racing driver's career is probably about 20 years um and uh michelle vion's been going for you know closing in on sort of 70 or so um <laughs> but you know yeah the triple crown obviously that's something that uh Various drivers have achieved. Various drivers are still trying to achieve. Um, so it's not implausible that that Michel Vaillant would would um, achieve that. Also, we've seen you know F1 drivers go to rally. Kubica, Kimi Raikkonen for a spell was was a rally driver. So again, the Paris Dakar stuff. Alonso's done the Paris Dakar. So I think a lot of that harks back to an era when um, when drivers were more sort of free to do do more essentially but it still happens today you know there are still drivers like Alonso who have an interest in the triple crown and who have an interest in rally and and things like that and so um I think if you're you know if you're a racing omnivore as a as a fan those people kind of stand out to you because if you love all kinds of motorsport you you people who you know racing drivers who love all kinds of motorsport resonate with you and obviously uh, Michel Vaillant is the ultimate sort of versatile racing driver. Well, it's not that long ago that uh, current Extreme E driver Stefan Sarazan uh, was uh, in Formula E, but before that, he he was a works Subaru rally driver. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I like to think that there's an element of Michel Vaillant in, in his career and that uh, some of the French drivers have maybe been inspired in some way. But uh, Fernando, um, he was a trailblazer in many ways, or the Viant team was a trailblazer in many ways, because um, in a time now when we're talking about women in motorsport and uh, when drivers such as Jamie Chadwick are hoping to break through to the highest level, well, you can look back 20 or 30 years or more, and uh, Vanina X was uh, alongside Michel at Le Mans. Julie Wood was uh, was a was a great was a great rally and off road driver um, who raced for them um, as well as having her own comic strip for a while, um, and uh, Gabrielle Spangenberg was uh, a German noble's daughter who uh, became also an excellent driver for them in various disciplines. So, um, were they in some ways trailblazers for uh, what we'd like to see now, and were they many years ahead of their time? Do you think, Fernando? I believe so. Yes, not just on that particular element, but overall together 
you know, think things like having one team tackle all different kind of sports and giving it a, a fair chance to all drivers, regardless of where you come from or your backgrounds or your skill level. And I think the combination of everything and the fact it was still fictional made it the perfect place to experiment and make people used to the idea. And that's another thing that draw me in is the fact that it was just it was so colorful and united on all ba- all backgrounds and experiences. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, uh, can you remember uh, what were the first books that really got you into the Michel Vaillant story? And uh, um, wh- can you remember anything about the plots of them? I mean, my my approach or my my entry point was actually the film. Um, so I, my my kind of interest in real motorsport through that, I discovered that you know they'd run these two cars at Le Mans, and I was like, well, I have to track down this film because anyone who who sort of takes it that seriously is is worth investigating. And then so I watched the movie first, and then sought out the books um, to kind of supplement that. And, and, you know, it's difficult as a as an English speaking reader, because not many of the Michel Vaillant books have have been um, translated into English. So there's a few of the ones at the kind of start of the run, you know, the very initial um, few books, and then uh, some of the more recent ones are also available in English. But there's a really, you know, there's, if you look on, say, Comixology, which is a, a you know, a great service for for comic books, there are no English language Michel Vaillant uh, comic books on there, but there are, you know, reams and reams of, of French language ones. And I, I think that's sort of, um, I guess, one of the things that, that maybe it means that Michel Vaillant isn't quite as well known in a sort of international way as he might have been, in that they, they're just the translation has clearly not been a priority for those guys. Um, but, he, you know, obviously very popular in France and a sort of pop culture um legend i suppose for for uh, motorsport fans of a certain age um and i think quite popular in uh, the netherlands as well uh, maybe i think there were maybe some dutch translations but yeah it's it's it was definitely me coming in you know reversing into kind of interest in michel vaillant um but then what's re- been really nice is to then have it sort of come full circle and return to real life motorsport back in 2017 when the rebellion team ran uh, Vaillant colours um, as their livery at Le Mans, which was just so awesome to see, and the way they really threw themselves at that um, at that sort of branding, and you know, and they had um, you know a, a comic book that was integrated with the story of that race, and like artwork being produced at the track, and things like that. That real sort of um, synergy between the the fictional and and the reality of racing at Le Mans was just really really cool to see. So that felt like a really nice sort of uh, payoff for my. Uh, for my getting into Michel Vaillant via the real Le Mans race. The Alpine team, I I think I'm getting strong Vaillant, uh, Vaillant energy from them because the, the way they've painted that car with, with the French tricolour sort of um, in, in a kind of a uh, striped print uh, and also Esteban Ocon's helmet and the way that the A logo has the sort of arrow coming out of it. And I, I'm, I'm getting a strong energy from them that they want to evoke the comic strips. Uh, F- Fernando, has that been pleasing to you as well to, to, to in, in effect, finally see a Vaillant F1 team on the track? Absolutely. Just seeing the Vaillant name and the, the colours in the actual real world is mind-blowing. Because uh, circling back to a point Mike made earlier, uh, because it's not known worldwide uh, that, that much, doesn't have much popularity, 
I think people who do discover this, they instantly become a fan of it. So it's hard not to love it. Yeah, indeed. And um, I, I think it evokes also a time when French motorsport was what uh, was was dominant and when um, there were sometimes four or five French racing drivers in in F1 at the same time and uh, you could guarantee a Frenchman would be on the crew of the winning car at Le Mans and so on so Ocon and Gasly uh, both in F1 Sorry. right now and uh, uh, obviously we've got Jean-Eric Verne in uh, Formula E uh, and um, it's kind of French motorsport doesn't have the same kind of backing from the government anymore. It doesn't have the same kind of supremacy that it once did. Um, do, do those comic strips, in a way, evoke the time when French industry and French motorsports, you know, could could literally stand on top of the world? Do you yeah, think, Mike? I think that, that, that's a thing for, from from his time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think what's really nice about it as well. Uh, one of the things I, I really enjoy about. Um, the comic books is that it's there there are elements of obviously they've evolved with the sport and the cars have changed and the technology's changed and some of the concerns of the violent team have changed but what's really nice is that it's still a family team which is something you just wouldn't see these days in motorsport and um there's a warmth there and a kind of humanity that is, some would argue, missing in the sort of more corporate world of modern motorsport. So in a way, it's got this kind of throwback feel that, that actually is sort of romantic and kind mm. of, you know, appealing to, to a reader. Because I think actually, you know, we're all, we're all motorsport fans. We all love great on-track action. But as much as that, we love the, the personalities and the soap opera. And, and that's what Michel Vaillant is all about it's about that kind of the family drama and the rivalries between the teams and these rivalries that have gone on for years and years and years and and so in a way it, it still feels retro even in the more modern strips because it's um it you know it, it's still got that kind of family run team thing that you just would never see in the kind of hundreds of million budget you know formula one of today yeah, and in fact, um, if if you look at the sort of history of the or or the the Michel Vaillant law, then um, his his father Henri Vaillant was the uh, founder of the team in the first place, and uh, he's he's got got a very proprietorial air to him. Um, he he doesn't uh, he doesn't seem particularly emotionally open with his kids, and um, obviously uh, Michel's brother is uh, is becomes the chief designer, and then becomes the team owner but uh, um, you, you, maybe for many people growing up with the stories there was an element of relatability there how much do you think uh, Mike uh, and then Fernando the family drama and that kind of um, relatability makes it a good strip as well as the actual racing action yeah I, th- I definitely think so uh, you know that that's uh, that's what keeps it you know it's the engine that, that runs the entire thing you know it's the the moments of drama on the track are are beautiful and beautifully rendered and uh, and authentic but you know the bulk of those strips are not the the races themselves it's the build up it's the preparation it's the tension and the drama and things like that and that that sort of family element and the you know the the romantic side you know and and the rivalries there between you know uh, Michelle and and Steve for example 
those are the those are the things that that keep you reading the comic books, and and, and then the payoff is you know when they finally get to race day and all hell breaks loose usually. Um, <laughs> so it, yeah, it's uh, I think it's such a key part. You know, that's uh, going back to what I said. You know, I think what we're interested in as much as the the racing, even in real life, is the is the sort of is is the drivers themselves and their you know. And I feel like in, increasingly you'd never get that kind of access to a modern formula one driver and if they are angry about something it will usually be some sort of passive aggressive statement you know rather than them saying what they really think um and uh and so yeah having that that sort of uh humanity to the to the comic strips makes them really really appealing to me yeah because yeah. it's it's like the camera's never switched off you know and you're part of the the whole journey and it has a human element to it that's presenting you a story through a medium and a setting that you're familiar with so like you said pays off at the end because there's racing but the build up to that and after that it's what really drives the everything forward because you you're part of the story you're familiar with the characters and you follow them along yeah and uh, as as much as uh, we can all be highbrow and say we're we're only in uh, motorsport for the engine stats and the powertrain that and and the powertrains and whatever that that's that's never really true and uh, you know what gets twitter really buzzing is a nice bit of mm. uh, a nice bit of needle between two drivers i think i think that's why actually the the gasly ocon rivalry has always been um simmering in the background because 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 fans like it that way and they like they like talking about these things yeah. yeah i think um the thing you got to look at is the the rampant success of drive to survive right yeah. which is um about lifting the lid on the personalities behind the cars and it's something that you know if you were if you were feeling harsh you could say that formula one coverage has failed to do you know that it, it's formula one coverage is 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 very much sports coverage you know it's it's about the the technical build up to the race and then the race itself and then the the sort of you know then the, the uh, kind of raking over the the on track action where i think drive to survive has been really successful even amongst quite hardcore formula 1 fans because it's it's designed to bring more, more people into the sport that's the purpose of it really um and it has done it's done an amazing job of bringing people who maybe didn't have an interest in formula 1 until they saw the kind of human side of these drivers and their kind of background and things but you know when when you're um really seeing that the sort of up close and personal of their preparation for a race or even their home life or the struggles they've gone through to get to to formula one and you know that that kind of stuff is what michelle vaillant has been providing in a fictional sense for years which is that sort of the complete journey rather than just the events of a single race weekend yeah, and is, is there a sense, Fernando, as well, um, based uh, in, following on from what Mike just said, that um, Drive to Survive and indeed every other Netflix sports documentary has taken the best parts of films such as Rush and such as the Michel Vaillant movie and has packaged up real life action and real life drama in a way that's like watching a movie? Is, is that what DTS does so well, do you think? Yeah, I believe so, because sports fans will watch the race because, you know, fast cars going really fast <laughs> that's what we do but people who are not into racing or not interested in cars in general don't watch that because it's just racing while driver driving to survive gives all those elements surrounding it and reels you in and introduces the sport to new people again just like michelle Vaillant will introduce different elements and different stories and topics through the medium we're familiar with driver to survive is introducing the sport through a medium that people are more comfortable with 
Yeah, um, of course, uh, the, the difference between um, sports and life and uh, comic strips is that uh, in comic strips, quite often, there's a very clear delineation between good and evil. And we, we had this sort of yang to the yin of uh, Team Viant in uh, Team Leader, who who are very much the evil team. They're, they're run by a shadowy figure called the Leader, who is believed to be American, but who uh, lives literally in the shadows. I don't think we see his face uh, throughout his uh, lifetime. Um, and then his uh, daughter Ruth takes over the team uh, as the new leader. Um, but, of course, in, in real-life motorsport, Mike, we don't have good and evil. We have people who uh, some fans may consider evil for going up against their favourite <laughs> driver and taking them out. Um, um, sure. I, 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 for many years, was, uh, was, was not a big fan of various drivers uh, because of their antics on and off track. But, you know, as much as people paint themselves as heroes or villains, that's not what life is like. And do you think in some ways... It's kind of giving people a false impression of motorsport when they read these strips and they watch the movies and they see good and evil portrayed on track and they expect that from real life sport. Um, yeah, to a degree. I think everything is going to be in a fictionalized story. I think pe- people hopefully know that that everything's going to be sensationalized to a degree. But like, I think when you when you get into the sport and if you have favorite drivers and 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 drivers you're not so much of a fan of for whatever reason. Um, you kind of create your own good and evil don't you you create your own pantomime villains uh and your own um and your own heroes uh i think this year um (laughs) probably a lot of people are not so keen on uh one of the Haas drivers um so Mm. you know that that driver and that team um, i can't think who what? you possibly mean yeah i know yeah i mean there's t- two to choose from and you, <laughs> I, you know. I thought i, I mean I th- I, as far as i know house are running a one car team with mick schumacher this season yeah that's what i'd heard as well yeah it's a real shame for them mm. um but yeah it's um yeah it's so you, you, you know if if you are not a, a fan of of a particular driver you know you'll everything you see on the track you'll perceive through the lens of you know oh well that guy did it on purpose or you know um and so i think when you're when you're kind of heavily into a sport um you probably you have a bit of that to a less greater or lesser degree you have a bit of the goodies and baddies stuff anyway that you apply yourself basically absolutely uh fernando would you agree that actually um the the good evil delineation is something that sports fans uh sports fans put on to their favorite and least favorite athletes in the same way anyway yeah, it's, a, it's human nature. We used to consume media that way, you know, because movies and comic books make the good and evil as transparent and, and obvious as possible. So we can separate who's the good guys, who are the good guys and who are the bad ones. While in real life is much more complex than that because we're all humans, we're all changing and have emotions and all that stuff. So yeah, it's a lot easier to differentiate that in a fictional area. While we're so used to consuming and viewing things that way that when it comes to real life and watching something through the TV, our brain probably does not separate the two things and immediately associates with that. But I generally believe that as we grow older and experience stuff in life, we we get over that stuff. Because when I started watching Riff One, there was a bunch of drivers I didn't like. <laughs> I, I was a complete troll to them online, typical thing we did. <laughs> And now I'm I'm looking back and looking at them as they are today, and and I'm thinking they're just human, you know, they just have emotions like the rest of us and react when stuff happens. 
So, um, guys, you've you've been tremendous today, and thank you for uh, for being such great sports. Uh, and I I do love this kind of podcast because, as much as I like talking about racing, um, I probably love talking about fictitious things uh, just as much, if not more. So, it's nice to take a diversion from the real on track action sometimes and uh, talk about something that's maybe um, a passion sort of in the background most of the time. Um, I do want to go over one more thing before we finish with you, because we've, we've got a few minutes left to go, which is um, they rebooted the Michel Vaillant books in the 2010s uh, with um, a new younger character. Very much they, they did a sort of James Bond Casino Royale type thing where um, they they took his ageing process back and they started him against um, new real life drivers. So... Given that, and given that we we have effectively a a new version of the classic character now, um, if he could drive in any scenario in any series, what what would you love to see him do, and who would you love to see him come up against in the future, Fernando? Well, I think Formula One is still is the, the pinnacle of motorsport, and still has the one the most popularity, regardless of what the other ones do. So. Yeah, I would love to see him trying Formula 1 again and then eventually trickle down to the other series and being up against all the current drivers, to be honest, the full grade. Um, Mike, what what do you think has the most, uh, has the largest prospect for drama? Which series? Um, Well, I feel like... uh... You know, as we've touched on, Michel Vaillant's raced pretty much everything under the sun. Uh, he's very closely linked to Le Mans for me, but um, I feel like, uh, you know, an apposite example for this particular podcast, I think Extreme E would be a really interesting oh, yes. um, series because uh, obviously the, the mixed crew is a, is a really interesting concept and I think would be great for kind of narrative stuff. And also, uh, it would take... Uh, Michelle to places he's never been before because the whole point of Extreme E is that they're going to places that are untouched by motorsport um, uh, and and the, that kind of message about climate change as well is really interesting so yeah if they want some rich fodder uh, they've got a new racing series starting up fairly soon that I think would be perfect for the conversation. That is very 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 good actually. It's, that's a uh, great idea. It fits into the Michelle Vian role perfectly because that's one series he never did in his life so he could do that one. I don't think he's ever done Formula E, but I think Extreme E would be an even better fit in some ways because when, whenever he's gone off-road racing, it's been fun. And also, got to say, uh, Mike, you know, Steve is arguably a better off-road and rally driver than Michel. Maybe maybe put Steve, Steve and Julie in the car instead of Michel. What do you think? Yeah, yes. yeah, sounds good. I think any any scenario, obviously, uh, motor racing in, in most cases is a very solitary sort of experience but any scenario i think one of the reasons like off-road was such a big part of the michelle Vaillant comics in the past was because obviously it puts two people in the car and they, you've got that dramatic tension of of two characters and i think again that would be perfect but yes steve and julie would work absolutely fine or maybe you know all of them stick them all in there why not superb well, um, thank you so much, uh, Fernando Moutinho and uh, Mike Channel. Um, so t- tell us where we can find you and uh, what, what you're up to and uh, how people can follow you on, on the socials then. Uh, Fernando. Uh, you can find me strapped to my desk working nine hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly find me on Twitter at FernandoM76 where I'll be rambling about all sort of games and stuff to do with motorsport and keep up with the things I'm doing with Cycling Match Studios and Codemasters. Fantastic. And uh, Mike, where can we find you? And um, tell us tell us a bit more about Outside Xbox as well, if you can. 
sure um yeah you can find me at outside xbox it's on youtube if you just search for that uh we make videos about all sorts of video games not just racing games um from the, the very dawn of kind of video game history so um they're kind of fun light-hearted um lists and things like that um so I think I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, if you're any kind of fan of video games, it's it's your sort of thing, hopefully. Uh, and then if you follow me at, uh, at my channel on Twitter, um, you'll find out about all the other th stuff I do. And I tend to mainly vent about motorsport on there. Um, so so yeah, I'll be on there talking about cars and things. Um, so yeah, see you there. Fantastic. And uh, I would love to uh, talk to you both again when I when I do a gaming edition of this because I know you're both uh, well into that stuff as well. Yes, All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Motion E podcast. We'll be back with more fun next time. And uh, thank you as well to Mike and Fernando. Thank you.